they shared a story about strapping six kilos of hash to their body in the 70s and um, bringing it into the United States and into New York City and then when they figured out who the buyer was it was Bob Dylan. What? Hey everyone, and welcome to season two of the Epic Montana podcast, where we explore entrepreneurship, passion, innovation, and creativity in and around the state of Montana. Thank you so much for listening to season one. We can't wait for you to listen to season two. Welcome to another episode of the Epic Montana podcast. I'm joined today by Mark Moss, who is the executive director, founder, organizer, story coach, and outreach coordinator of the Tell Us Something podcast. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, thanks, Jake. Uh, so just to start out, tell us a little bit about Tell Us Something. Tell Us Something is a live storytelling event that takes place four times a year in Missoula. We do have two scheduled events in Helena, Montana this year, and I'm working on a Butte event as well, and we produce a weekly podcast. And the storytelling event consists of eight storytellers. They have ten minutes to tell a true, excuse me, They have 10 minutes to share a true personal story from memory on a theme. Mm -hmm. We don't announce the storytellers ahead of time. And the Missoula community has just come out in force to support it. We sold out the Wilma in December. 768 people showed up to listen to stories. So it's been a pretty incredible live event. Yeah. And since the beginning, we started in 2011. Yeah. And we started actually in... The Missoula Art Museum. So okay. capacity was about 75 there. Mm-hmm. Moved to the top hat capacity there uh, for a seated show. It was about 225, 250. Mm-hmm. And then we moved into the Wilma. So quite quite a trajectory. Yeah. And since the beginning, we've podcast the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, the live event was free. Mm-hmm. And now we do charge for tickets uh, just because it's not at all sustainable to yeah. to offer an event like that for free, even with sponsorship revenue coming in. Um, but the podcast has been going since 2011, and as you probably know, the one of the big challenges with podcasts is analytics and trying to track who's listening and how they're listening and, and yeah. that sort of thing. So I haven't spent a ton of time with the analytics portion of it mm-hmm. because I produce the podcast and do all of the editing and maintain the website and all that. So I'm a one-man show. And, yeah. And uh, that is one port part that has had to sort of slip. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be spending more time in 2018 trying to develop that audience because I have recently redesigned the website using mm-hmm. Gecko Designs. Oh, okay. This little outfit here in Missoula that, yeah. that uh, donate a portion of the cost of the website redevelopment, and it's pretty awesome. Tell yeah. us something.org is yeah. the website address. And so people can stream the podcast there for free mm-hmm. or subscribe with whatever their podcasting app is. So what was the inspiration behind starting Tell Us Something? Well, in two, January of 2011, Patrick Dugans, who used to work for the Pavarello, and he also blogged at 420 Blackbirds, which is a left-leaning political blog, and I think it sort of petered out. Mm-hmm. And he was doing what he called... Missoula Moth. And most people who listen to podcasts or public radio know about the Moth. It's a storytelling organization out of New York City. Mm -hmm. And they do have a couple of branch satellite towns across the country. 
they're pretty prominently featured on public radio, and they've got a huge following on podcasts mm-hmm. in the podcast world as well. And so he was sort of riding on their co- coattails without their permission. And so he made sure to spell it without any spaces and sort yeah. of jam Missoula Moth all together into one word. Yeah. And he was not vetting the storytellers. There was no uh, theme for the shows, and there was no time limit. And so oh. sometimes the event could go on for three or four hours. Wow. And sometimes the stories were phenomenal. Sometimes the stories were excruciating to listen to. Yeah. Because he didn't give the storytellers the tools for success that they needed mm-hmm. to get up on a stage and share in front of a, a group of full of strangers. Yeah. A room full of strangers. And yeah. so I was one of those storytellers. Mm-hmm. And I, for the first time in my life, felt like I was being listened to. And I wasn't trying to educate anybody or sell anything. I was just sharing my own story. And mm-hmm. it was an incredible experience. And I wanted to bring that experience to as many people as I could. And Mm -hmm. so Patrick moved to Bozeman, and when he left town, everyone who had a good experience as storytellers said, we should keep doing this, Mm -hmm. and no one did. Yeah. And it sort of fell apart for a while. Missoula Art Museum called Patrick and said, hey, we want you to bring Missoula Moth to the art museum for Artini. And he said, I live in Bozeman. You should call (laughs) Mark Moss. Yeah. So they called me, and, and we... I tightened it up to what it is now, and we filled the room, and we had six storytellers that night because we had a limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that I wanted to make it into what it is now. And yeah. This year, I got a commitment from Montana Public Radio for four episodes, so we'll be quarterly uh, Sunday night specials of Telesling Radio, so that's coming. And I'm going to try to hopefully also get into Yellowstone Public Radio and other markets as well. Mm -hmm. What goes into kind of the communications for getting sponsorships for this and just kind of getting the word out there uh, other than the word that was out there before? What are some some steps that you've taken? It's a really interesting question because I had a built-in sponsor already. Yeah. Uh, The bookstore at the University of Montana walked into this with me and I remember meeting the marketing director Matt LaPalme. Matt's a sponsor for he, our show too. Yeah, he's just incredible. John is amazing and that whole team is just great. Mm-hmm. And they Matt met with me. I never had met him before. I'm not an alumni here at the University of Montana. So mm-hmm. Pat said when when he knew that I was taking it over, Pat said, You should talk to Matt and so I met him at then Sean Kelly's Mm-hmm. for lunch it was a friday and i know that because i had uh, clam chowder <laughs> <laughs> and he said what's your vision and i i laid it out for him and he said we're in uh we'll we'll help you in any way that we can wow so they they were the first sponsor and they are the longest running sponsor mm-hmm. bookstore at the university of montana and fact and fiction books yeah. just phenomenal and they provide swag bags for the storytellers mm-hmm. that includes like pens and uh, moleskin notebooks and mm-hmm. novels and all kinds of awesome stuff. Wow. And a little bit of financial revenue as well. Yeah. And so just from that, um, he, as a marketing director, taught me you know, how to court sponsors. Yeah. 
and usually I try to invite them to a live event first, make sure that they've seen what I'm doing, explain what the benefits are mm-hmm. to them as a sponsor, and show them, depending on what tier they're willing to donate, mm-hmm. show them what they will receive as a benefit. And Tell Us Something is not a nonprofit, but we do have a fiscal sponsor, which means my fiscal sponsor is the Missoula Community Foundation. Mm-hmm. They have a 501c3. They are a nonprofit. And they are sort of a parent of Tell Us Something. That means if a do- an organization wants to donate tax-deductible donation, mm-hmm. it filters through Missoula Community Foundation, oh, okay. and so they can write it off as a tax write-off. Nice. So that is a benefit, too, when I'm seeking sponsorship revenue and asking them for a donation. I can just tell them it's a tax write-off. Yeah. It is. Oh. Yeah. So what line of business were you in before... The business storytelling. I was trained as a teacher in Ohio. I was a language arts certified uh, 7 through 12. Mm-hmm. And when I left Ohio, I was a park ranger in Yellowstone National Park, in the best classroom in the world, and telling stories about geology there and the history of Fort Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And then when I left there, I moved to Bozeman for a brief stint. And when I came to Missoula, mm-hmm. I got a job in the software industry, and I was a QA person. Oh, okay. Doing software testing. Did a little bit of sales and education in that world as well. Mm-hmm. And um, bounced around for in a couple of different corporations that way, yeah. startups and whatnot. And then made the leap and, and essentially a full-time volunteer at Tell Us Something. Yeah. I pick up side jobs wherever I can. Mm-hmm. Tell something makes enough revenue to pay its bills. Yeah, but it's not providing me a wage. Yeah, yet. so that's the next challenge. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's definitely something that people that are really passionate about podcasting. It's like, all right, I need to get to the point where this is it. Like, it's really interesting to see like how podcasting and the YouTube world have a lot of parallels. Yeah. I don't know if you saw what just happened with YouTube recently. Yeah. So it'll be real interesting to see how that gets resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, for the listeners who might not be aware, YouTube just said that in order to monetize any channels, you must have at least 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of viewing time yeah. per year in order to monetize through YouTube. So that's a huge stuff. challenge. A yeah. lot of the smaller channels are pissed, and rightfully so, yeah. I think. Um, and I think even though podcasting is hard to monetize mm-hmm. without advertising, um, Patreon is a good yeah. option for some without a huge listener base. I think Patreon is pretty hard to make it work. Yeah. Um, but we'll see if, you know, if podcasting can be successful for the little guy. Yeah. Uh, I just came back from PodCon. Mm-hmm. In December, which was uh, Hank Green, sort of that ecosystem, mm-hmm. the VidCon crew put together essentially VidCon for podcasters. Oh, yeah. And it was incredible, great event. Mm-hmm. And one of the panels that I attended mm-hmm. was monetiz- monetizing your podcast. Oh, okay. And what they said was, if you don't want advertising on your podcast, good luck. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah. I, I I'm going to refuse advertising. I don't want um, Purple Apron. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm using the fake name, but I don't need any of those people because uh, I want to have the focus be on the stories. Yeah, I don't want to break it up. And 
I actually talked to a potential advertiser beginning of last year or the year before, and just listening to the amount of revenue that would be generated based on my current listenership, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Uh, and so I just want to try and keep it ad-free. I, I look to Post Secret. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with that organization. Not really, no. Post Secret is, uh, I don't know if they're a nonprofit yet, but um, they're an art project, mm-hmm. an online art project, and their website has been ad-free since they've wow. done it. And, and the guy was able to quit his job, and he does Post Secret full-time without any advertising on the website. And mm-hmm. he doesn't have a podcast or anything like that. I think he does have a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. But um, he does live events, and it's essentially people anonymously writing in their secrets on a postcard and mailing it to him. Huh. And then he picks 15 or 20 of them and mm-hmm. puts them online every Sunday night. That's interesting. Yeah, so just there are ways to make art yeah. without having... Independently. Yeah, so just a matter of what jobs am I willing to pick up on the, you know, in the, in the meantime and yeah. make it work. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's interesting to see. Yeah, because I mean, you have huge podcasts out there. Like, I mean, all the ones through NPR, obviously. But uh, have you heard of Pacific Northwest Stories? Yes, based out of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because they they have their Patreon set up, and they just did a Kickstarter for their show Rabbits, and they almost hit their goal of seventy thousand dollars. Nice. That's just crazy to think. And they have probably a big production team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have people that have been in the you know profession for a very long time. Yeah. But that's just, it's interesting to see, even that I consider almost an indie thing, even though they do have advertisement from big corporations. Right. It's still kind of a, it's not quite to the size of some of these huge podcasts. Yeah, and then a lot of those bigger podcasts are also on networks. Yeah. And the one I'm thinking of right now is uh, uh, Sex Positive. Yeah. Storytelling podcast called Risk. Mm-hmm. And the guy from Reno 911, Kevin Allison, yeah. does that one. and. It's great, great storytelling. Kevin's mm-hmm. a little over the top sometimes. Um, his big sponsor is Stamps.com, and I just recently looked at his Patreon. He's pulling in at over $5,000 a month. Wow. But he's got a production team. Yeah. And so I'm sure he's got a huge amount of overhead. I keep my overhead low. I record in my closet. Yeah. And I have some eggshell soundproofing stuff that I found in a dumpster. Yep. And I mount it on a piece of plywood, and I just hang it over where my where the door would be if I had a door in my closet. Yeah. And I have to lock the kittens in a in a different room so they're not meowing, <laughs> meowing in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. So going back, you said that you shared a story at Missoula Moth. Yeah. Uh, that kind of got you into this. What was your What was your story that you shared? When I initially uh, signed up to tell a story there. Uh, I told Patrick, I, you know, I don't have a story of my own. And yeah. he said, we, well, we all have stories. You just have to think about it. Mm-hmm. And But then again, he didn't help yeah. distill what that through. story is. And mm-hmm. so the first time I did it, I shared a story that I had been told for years and knew intimately. And that mm-hmm. is the story of how my parents met. Mm-hmm. And the twist was I told it in the first person as if it was my father. Oh. And that was that was incredible. What I've learned since a good storyteller isn't using the stage to brag. Yeah. Um, or to show off. Mm-hmm. The story should have an arc. Yeah. And I've just learned a lot about the art of sharing stories. Yeah. And have tried to teach the people that come to my stage uh, how to do that better mm-hmm. yeah 
what are some uh, tips that you give in your like your story coaching? What are some of the kind of parameters? That you, you know, give? I tell people first of all, there are some things that aren't allowed on on yeah, the stage, absolutely. and that is any racist, misogynistic, you know, um, no Quentin Tarantino style violence. Yeah. You know, nothing yeah. gratuitous. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to tell an adult themed story, mm-hmm. make it work without going over Being the too top. offensive. Yeah. Right. Um, I had a guy who wanted to tell a story about how his life got transformed um, after he had beaten a dog really badly, and I, it was super graphic. And yeah. I was asking him, "Why do you want to tell this story, and why do you want to tell it in this way?" Yeah. And he didn't have an answer, and, and then the. The thing that I tell, and, and this is getting to your answer, mm-hmm. or getting to the answer to your question, mm-hmm. um, his experience was too fresh. Yeah. And so one of the things that I share with storytellers is if the, there hasn't been enough time that's elapsed between the story that you're telling and now, mm-hmm. maybe you should spend time telling that story to your therapist. Yeah. Um, instead of trying to use the stage as a form of therapy, because yeah. it shouldn't be that. Yeah, um, it's very interesting. Yeah, that's. I try to avoid having that be the case. Mm-hmm. No one's getting up on the stage and, and saying, "So my life is so terrible, and this is why." Or, yeah, or whatever. Um, the other thing I tell people is, when you're talking, if there's somebody else talking over you. Mm-hmm. Do what I just now did. Be quiet. Yeah. Pause. Wait for them to stop because essentially what's going to happen is that the people around the talker are going to place them for you. Mm-hmm. You you won't feel as flustered if you tr- if you start to try to talk over somebody. Even in a room the size of the Wilma, yeah, you can notice if there are people talking and they're not paying attention to you, and that's going to make you nervous and yeah, anxious. Absolutely. So being quiet. Um, we do a little bit of relaxation stuff to talk about nervousness and mm-hmm. how to channel that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, usually the people that are coming and who pitch a story already know what story they want to share. Yeah. So we just sort of hone that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be doing workshops this year that are not event-based. Okay. And in those workshops, they'll be a little lengthier, and we will spend time like trying to show how to choose a story and... Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. What are some mental health tips that you have for people that maybe get stage fright or um, delivering and kind of speaking to the public or just... Spend time relaxing. Um, Breathing exercises are really good. You Mm -hmm. don't really, if you're a sports person, you don't go do whatever your sport is without warming up. So you want to do some, there's voice warm-up exercises that can help with that. Mm -hmm. Face loosening exercises because the muscles in your face you're using those a lot while you're on the stage use your whole body that loosens people up a little bit and Mm -hmm. pretend you're talking to a room full of friends because you are yeah the people that come to tell us something events maybe are strangers to you as a storyteller yeah they want you to succeed they want they are on your side and they're gonna forgive little Mm f**k-ups And they're, I mean, the, the audiences that come to tell us something are just so supportive. They're yeah. incredible people. It's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like, yeah, there could definitely be times where pe- I'm sure people would be like, oh, okay. But yeah, I feel like if they're not your friend, they're still a friend of storytelling. You Absolutely. Know? You know, they they're, they pay money to come and listen to their community share stories. And um, 
they're there to have a good time, but they're also there to support you yeah. as a storyteller. Yeah. Um, other, I mean, a lot of the people who come on to the telesomic stage have never been on a stage before. Yeah. And so usually we do a little sort of before the event, the night of the event. And there's mm-hmm. people in the audience, but I bring them backstage, show them what it looks like, get them up to the mic if they want to, to do that so they can yeah. see what the room looks like from the stage so that they're not, once they get on the stage, they're not shell-shocked with yeah. the size of the room and things like that. When we moved to the Wilma, I was worried that it would be too nerve-wracking for yeah. people. And it's actually, I think, easier mm-hmm. to share a story at the Wilma because you can't see every yeah, single so, person's yeah. eyes. The lights are really bright, and you can see maybe the first four or five rows, and that's really all you need. You need to make a connection with your audience and you know, pick somebody in the front and tell your story to that person if you're really nervous. Yeah. Um, the caveat there is don't only look at that person the whole time. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. You're sharing the story with them, but you're looking at everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the criteria that needs to be met in order to participate and tell us something as a you want to be You want to be willing to do it. That's mm-hmm. it, pretty much. You yeah. know, no gratuitous anything, no selling from the stage, be that a product or an idea. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna, if you're a preacher and you want to tell a story, awesome. But if mm-hmm. you're a preacher and you want to tell a story and you come up and say, and that's why you should believe in Jesus, yeah. you're not in. Yeah. Um, I've had people come up and share a story and then say, you know, and that's why you should buy Ooh. my snake oil, whatever it is. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that now I bet the tellers mm-hmm. they have to call a pitch line. Mm-hmm. And oh, wow. what I see now that I've enacted that as a requirement is the people who are pitching mm-hmm. are more invested yeah and i've had you know before i started doing the pitch line i had people sign up to tell a story and then drop out the day of the, of the event yeah but if they've pitched and then they come to the required workshop mm-hmm. they're invested they have spent time around the other storytellers and mm-hmm. what really is interesting and incredible is that a really intimate bond forms between those eight individuals yeah pretty quickly yeah and it's just an incredible thing to watch happen it's mm-hmm. amazing so what are some um some stories from tell us something that you feel have really resonated with you specifically you know there's been some incredible ones there's been really funny ones mm-hmm. um there was a lady who so here's an interesting reason to come to the live event because not every single story makes the podcast and I'm not the one making those cuts. Oh, okay. I say every story gets on the podcast unless the storyteller doesn't want it to be on the podcast. Okay. And this is one of those cases, so I won't reveal the person's name, but they shared a story about strapping six kilos of hash to their body in the 70s and um, bringing it into the United States and into New York City and then when they figured out who the buyer was, it was Bob Dylan. What? Yeah. So, Damn. yeah, that's a story. Uh, it was it was a really incredible story. <laughs> so, we've had uh, stories like that. Uh, Gary Delp, mm-hmm. who runs Heritage Timber, mm-hmm. he, and if you don't know what Heritage Timber is, it's this incredible organization. They deconstruct buildings and then use the raw materials and resell those to the public. So, mm-hmm. one of the first decon jobs they did was Inner Mountain Lumber, which is over now. Uh, there's, I think the sawmill district is there now. Yeah. Um, but over near the good food store, just off of Russell was a huge lumber mill. Mm-hmm. And 
he took that took that apart over the course of months. And this was in the early eighties and um there was a theft of copper wire oh. that he helped facilitate kind of mm-hmm. because one of his workers wanted the copper and he said it was okay, but then another individual came to steal it while the worker was taking it away. Oh. And there was a knife fight and gunshots and a dog almost died. And the story ended up being uh, and a story about empathy and transgender people. Wow. Because the person who was trying to steal the copper was a transgendered woman. And oh. We, and you, I'm not going to ruin it. You can go listen to it at mm-hmm. the podcast, uh, tellusomething.org. You can stream it for free. Search for Gary Delp. It's a fascinating, awesome, amazing story. And he's a really powerful storyteller. Yeah. Uh, Victoria Gannon told an incredible story at the last Tell Us Something event mm-hmm. uh, about her experience with sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked about not allowing it to be a couch. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. She yeah. she pulled it off, and it was powerful, amazing. Yeah. And you know her story. And there was another person that night who told a story uh, about his buddy dying in Afghanistan mm-hmm. in, in the tank that he was responsible for. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were the first two stories that I ever put a trigger warning on. Yeah. And that's they made me rethink my anti-trigger warning policy yeah. because i i feel like life doesn't come with a trigger warning but it's getting to where there's so much serious stuff going on in the world Absolutely. we maybe need to know like i've been yeah. triggered myself when i didn't expect it mm-hmm. about certain things and like i can appreciate why people need to have that available to them so those those are some of the stories that stick out right now mm-hmm. so i know it's kind of a a basic question, sure. but how important is the art of storytelling? And for for someone who may be on the edge, thinking, "Oh, you know what? I don't really know if this story is worth telling." What would you say to them? I would say everybody's got a story. Everybody's story is valuable, and because of that, everybody is valuable. Mm-hmm. Storytelling is a big buzzword right now. People yeah. use it in advertising all the time. Um. Storytelling, though, is the basis for our existence. Mm-hmm. It is how we educated each other about the dangers of what was going on over there in the hunting grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, we're bringing home food for the family, and this is how you, get, you stalk this particular animal, and yeah. you told that through a story. So human connection is what's happening with storytelling if it's done really well. Mm-hmm. And... Everybody has that need to feel that connection, and listening yeah. is uh, really important to be a good storyteller. And so, if you've spent all your life listening, you're probably an amazing storyteller. You just haven't had that opportunity, and so I try to provide that opportunity for folks. Yeah, it's yeah. a profound answer. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so, for when is the next Tell Us Something event? The next Tell Us Something event uh, is March. 20th. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, are there any plugs that you want to make or any things you want to bring up before we... Rate us Rate us on iTunes. Um, <laughs> review us on iTunes. Share the content with your friends. If you have someone that you know would be good at telling a story, encourage them to pitch. If you are on the fence, you should pitch. 
and I give you the tools for success that you need to share a good story on the stage. And now, a word from our sponsors. Do you love Montana? The Montana Shop does, and it carries the most Montana brands online. From where your roots and up top to the Montana scene and many more. The Montana Shop is the perfect place to find a gift for every proud Montanan. You can find them at themontanashop.com and listeners of this podcast can save 10% by using the coupon code EPICMT. It's a great deal on great Montana merch. Again, shop at themontanashop.com and use coupon code EPICMT at checkout for 10% off. is the key to success. From the Ground Up is a sock company that allows you to wear that confidence with these cheeky, whimsical socks that pay homage to some of society's boldest, confident, and powerful icons. You can conquer the world in a pair of Maryland's or be the boss with a pair of Winston Churchill's. I have a few pairs myself, and I can confidently say that they are the most comfortable and durable socks I've ever owned. Listeners of the Epic Montana podcast will receive a 15% discount with a coupon code EPICMT at checkout. You can purchase your pair on ftgusocks.com. Music from today's podcast was provided by freesound.org and freemusicarchive.org. Thank you to the artists Ryan Little, S. Krasovsky, Stereo Surgeon, and Ben Stone for the show's music.